0: My story begins on a quiet night when I was stumbling my way home. I had been out with a few friends, and I'll admit I had a bit too much to drink, but my thoughts were full of my warm and comfortable bed that was only a few open fields away. As I walk on unsteady feet, I hear a strange noise, like some sort of Rattling? It's so faint that I stop and listen carefully, trying to steady my heavy breathing. The alcohol makes it difficult to stand still, so I crouch down, hiding behind some tall grass. A steady thud sound starts to emerge from the darkness, and then I hear the most chilling noise. A whistle. Immediately, I know I have to run. As this looming figure approaches me, the thudding gets louder, the whistling gets fainter, and I try to force my feet to move. Just move, damn it! But shit! It's too late. And I am too drunk. And that is how I ended up here. My body drained my bones removed from my flesh, stuffed inside a bag of bones, tied to a creature that roams Los Llanos, looking for men like me. Drunk and alone. This is Monstras.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Monstras, a podcast dedicated to Latin American and Latinx horror folklore, history, and all things weird. Today, we will be talking about El Silbón. But before we get started, we should probably introduce ourselves. My name is Brenda Salguero.
2: Whoa, I was not expecting that one. Uh, (laughs) Hi.
1: I did it on a whim. I was like, let's see if, if, if
2: Orquidea catches
1: this. <laughs>
2: <If> uh, yeah, <laughs> I was looking, I was looking at the script and not, then I had to turn around and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> what was that? Uh, so I'm, I'm Orquidea Morales. Uh, I don't have a fun way to pronounce my name. I never will. <laughs>
1: And that's okay. That's why we love you, you know? It's all right. It's all right. I I'm boring com-
2: and that's all right. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's all right. I will come up with the ridiculous intros. I haven't done, I realized I hadn't done one in a while. So I was like, Yeah, well. it's been
2: a while. I mean, last episode we forgot to introduce ourselves till like we were 10 minutes in, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, so. it was pretty bad. We just forget <laughs> about ourselves, okay? We just get excited
2: Yeah. about the we're, monster. We're here for the people. We're, we do it for the people. Exactly. For all the little people out there <laughs> that, the- love <laughs> that love us. That love
1: us. The, all, do, all the Duan, Duan, right? All
2: the Duans <laughs> out <of> there. All the
1: Duans. So, today we are so excited because I think this might be one of my fave monsters that we've covered, I think. I, okay. I'm going to have to say, I'm going to start off, you know, full steam ahead. Because today we will be talking about El Silbon. This was a suggestion by one of our Patreon supporters, so this is a reminder that if you really, really, really like us and want to support our work, you can join our Patreon. You can also just leave us a review. Just leave us a tiny, tiny little review. A little a little
0: teensy review.
2: I, I would say, I mean, I, I do teach some, my, I, I, I ask for, like, a longer review. <laughs> like, a. uh, at least a paragraph, double space, twelve times New Roman. Thank you.
1: <laughs> what what kind? Of MLA? What is what? What's your APA? I
2: mean, MLA preferably, <laughs> but if you do APA, I'll accept it. Or even Chicago, I'll accept Chicago. But wow, that's pushing it. <laughs> that, you are? Aren't you from Chicago? No, you're from
1: Texas. You lived in Chicago though. No, I lived in Mich- Girl, I lived Michigan. Girl, Michigan, that's right. Okay, listen, I don't know no, the Midwest. I they're don't not the know.
0: Same.
1: <laughs> I was like, is it Chicago? Is it Michigan? Is it the same place? I thought it was the same place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. See, it this a- is what
2: happens when you don't leave um, California.
1: I just, I'm really a lifelong Californian. I do, I'm trying to leave though. I am trying to explore more. I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to see more of the country. I just don't want to encounter racists. Is that just you know what I mean? Like, it's hard.
2: Yeah, I, I can okay. There are certain spots in Michigan you should not visit. Then <laughs> okay, I'll take your I'll take your advice. Chicago probably less racist. Oh well, or I easier to avoid.
1: Chicago easier to avoid certain areas. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of, yeah, but then again, LA, I think about LA and LA so segregated as a since because of due to redlining and all this other stuff. So I didn't really grow up with any white people. I really just grew up with like Latinos. Mm -hmm. But with LA, it's like, Latinos are like, we're the majority. So you can't escape us. (laughs) You can go to Beverly Hill and see a bunch of white people, but we're gonna be hidden somewhere. You're gonna see us.
2: I don't I have no idea how we ended up here. <laughs> this turned into like a travel podcast where to go and where not to. That might be an interesting episode though, like traveling while brown.
1: Traveling while brown. Oh well, I mean, yeah, that would be kind of interesting. It's almost like a uh, I was almost thinking about The Green Book mm-hmm. and if there's a new version of that, you know? But I don't know. I mean, I would rather just talk about monsters.
2: That's fair. And avoiding
1: them during my travels.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the monsters that we talk about are a lot more fun than racists. So I guess we should go back to thanking the Patreon supporters and talking about the fun monsters.
1: Yeah. Bring it back. Bring it back.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So if you have any, if you want to support us, again, join our Patreon or leave, um, (laughs) <laughs> leave reviews uh, follow us listen to us and um yeah feel free to share any ideas that you have of episodes you would like to see and i'm really glad that because of those suggestions we're getting um, a chance to explore regions that we haven't really explored too much in the podcast so yes we did the trinidad and tobago with the duen and now we're gonna do colombia and venezuela so that's exciting
1: Yes, so get us started. I'm okay. so excited to dive into this monster.
2: So uh, we're talking about the Silvon, which is a creature I was not familiar with at all. It's from uh, a creature from South America, and it t- roughly translates to the Whistler or the Whistling Man. Uh, can can you whistle, Brenda?
1: <laughs> no. Um, I used to when I was younger, but for some reason I like completely lost that ability. I used to be able to do the... Um, the lip one where you just
2: push your oh, lips oh yeah that one's an intense one because it's really loud
1: yeah it's super loud i used to be able to do that when i was really young like third grade second grade when you could use it as a weapon you know as a child
2: yeah, yeah i want to hear you give us a whistle
1: oh my god okay um <laughs> oh no <laughs> No, I can't whistle. No, I can't whistle. It's just gonna be it's just yeah, it's just gonna be some weird uh noises. So That was sad. Yeah, it was really sad.
2: I, I'm <laughs> waiting for you to ask me if I can whistle. Oh See, This is how a conversation You want me to res-
1: Oh, you want me to reciprocate Oh, can you whistle,
0: Orchidea?
2: oh uh, no, I'm not very good at whistling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what was the point? (laughs) I don't You know,
2: common courtesy. Maybe, Uh, maybe. Well, Okay.
1: Okay. uh, How about this? You whistle. uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Better than me. Better than me. I will say.
2: Yeah. If we needed to ask for help, whistling would not be our go-to.
1: No. No. Maybe we can ask El Silvón for some tips.
2: I know. Okay. So, Tell us a little bit about El Silvón. First of all, we're going to hire him for whistling lessons. But yes. what else do we need to know about him?
1: Besides the whistling lessons. Um, so <laughs> this is such a cool monster. So if you ever find, for some reason, you know, you find yourself, I don't know, an alien picked you up. And all of a sudden you're wandering through the vast grasslands known as Los Llanos. And you hear a whistle. Get ready because you're about to encounter this strange monster. So the way he looks, people say, that he is extremely thin with these long, skinny arms and legs, and he towers over you at about three meters, or, for those of you who live in America and use this dumb measuring system, nine (laughs) feet in height. (laughs)
2: Thank you for translating.
1: Yeah. He is large. And in charge. Large and in charge and whistling. So, he also towers over treetops, and he is often seen carrying a bag of bones on his back. He wears a tattered white suit accompanied with a white brim hat, and some have reported seeing him being chased by dogs.
2: (laughs) This is a terrifying sight. Like, (laughs) this giant-ass person that's wearing a a suit, mind you. Yeah. And that just pops out of nowhere i I, I don't think it hit me that it the creature is nine foot nine feet tall until right now
1: yeah Um, that's what i because i saw that it was it only said three meters and i was like well how tall is that and i figured it was really tall and yeah sure enough it was like nine feet tall like that's the tallest person i know is like six five
2: yeah and And we should say we're, we're both fairly short so anybody about over five five is a giant.
1: Yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> for me too. Yeah, anyone yeah. above five five, it's yeah. just insane. He's very, very tall, and then you see this lumbering thing being chased by dogs.
2: I know, and I'll, it's also really interesting because when I was looking him up, a lot of the the versions of it said that he was tall, lanky, but they also said that he wore hats. Like it was a constant reference. And it it seems like a lot of creatures wear hats or have like an interesting fashion choice that's memorable. Why do you think that is? Like the Dwan and stuff like that.
0: Yeah,
1: they all do wear hats. And I can think of a few other creatures that wear hats, but I always. (laughs) Maybe they just don't want to sunburn. Like, (laughs) that's a very. Especially if you're that tall. If you're tall, you're a ghost. I don't think ghosts particularly are like into the sun. You know okay. they're probably moon creatures, but I but seriously though, <laughs> I think it's just copying what people in that culture wear. So some mm-hmm. monsters will always wear some sort of variation of whatever culture they come from, um, and so or sometimes they'll th- they'll wear something like that is either appropriate or the opposite inappropriate, in some okay. cases. You know, so like
2: in the case of La Llorona that she wears white, but it's usually in more in the films or stuff like that, it's like see-through white.
1: Yes, exactly. So it's
2: virginal, but not quite.
1: But not quite. Exactly. It's it's turning uh, your expectations on its head. Mm-hmm. Just like the Duen, you know, they wear a little like tiny leaf skirt, mm-hmm. which is not people don't wear that.
2: Not anymore. Not no.
1: anymore, but it is a reminiscent of a more almost I would say uh, I don't want to say primitive. I would say more like um, of a certain time period.
2: Yeah, like pre-colonial.
1: Yeah, pre-colonial. So kind of reminiscing on that. Uh, and then with this character, I think of the um, people who, you know, roam around the Llanos, which is the uh, Gauchos. Mm-hmm. The Gauchos and the yeah. and the cowboys of Los Llanos, right? Los Llan- Llaneros, I think, is also what they they're called. So... I think that's why he wear, they all kind of wear hats. But also, I think people just think they look cool, maybe. Yeah. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I'm not very good with hats, but but I, I like that theory. And yeah, I mean, if you're going to be out in like Argentina, Colombia, and Venezuela, in like these open fields, it makes sense to, to have that covering.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially, yeah, especially if you're
2: nine feet tall. Yeah. Interesting. So... Some of the, One of the things I like about this creature, too, is that stories say that he particularly hates men. Hmm. Bad men. I guess I should be specific. Uh, <laughs> not just all men. men. <laughs> not all men. Uh, <laughs> drunks, cheaters, things like that. So I, I think that that's, that's not a bad thing. I like that quality in a person. Um, yes. So can you tell us a little bit more about the myth and where this creature comes from?
1: There are a lot of variations of the story. So we actually found a ton of great information from the website for the restaurant La Arepa in Oregon. They have a blog with recipes and things like that. Um, But they also have a post on El Silvón. The website mentions three variations of the Venezuelan version of the
2: legend. Yeah. That was a weird find because it was like this really great write-up on El Silbón. And then when I looked at the website, I was like, oh, this is for a restaurant. <laughs> uh, it was, um, it's really cool. And if anybody's in Oregon and they and they know Larepa, Re- La let us know if it's good. But it was also interesting because uh, like a quick asa- aside, there's constant debate whether this story originated in Colombia or Venezuela. So if listeners have an argument or have a side that they want to take, let us know in the comments. I'm, I'm interested to know more about that. Because there's always these debates, like with the Chupacabra, is it Puerto Rican, is it Mexican, right? Like, people want to claim monsters, so.
1: Yeah, sometimes they want to claim it as their own. So, let me dive into these three variations because they're so interesting. So, get ready for story time, everyone. Get comfy. There was once a boy who committed patricide. His father was not a good man. Thinking his son's girlfriend was promiscuous... He forced himself on her, raping her and then killing her. When the boy found out what he had done, he gutted his father. That sounds fair. Yeah, I, I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. His grandfather soon found out, though, that the boy had killed his own father. And as punishment, he tied him up to a tree, completely covered his back in lashes and then used boiling hot water mixed with chili pepper to clean up his open, still-bleeding wounds. Door. It's crazy. Mm-mm. You might be thinking, this is enough, right? But no, the grandfather was not done with his punishment. He then untied the boy and unleashed a hungry dog named Tuerco <laughs> onto the boy. And even to this day, that boy is being punished, cursed by his grandfather, to carry a bag with the bones of his father in it, all the while being chased by a dog for all eternity. This is
2: like some toxic masculinity shit. Like this guy defended his girlfriend and said, please don't rape her or kill her. And he gets punished for that? I guess I'm not saying people should kill people. I'm just saying I understand the situation.
1: Yeah, it makes sense, right? Right. It, it's like, okay, the the son had no choice, really. He had to do something about his father, who also, patriarchally speaking, thought his girlfriend's, you know, his son's girlfriend was promiscuous, and that's why she deserved Yeah. So... But again, the cha- the story changes depending on the audience and who the storyteller is, right?
2: Yeah.
1: So the second version of the legend says that the whistling man was actually a capricious, misbehaved, you know, boy who was spoiled. He ha- he got everything he ever wanted. So one day, he really, really wanted to eat like, um, specifically, like deer in- entrails. As you do trails or so. As you do, you know, sometimes you get cravings and you're like, I would love to eat deer guts. Like, that would be great. (laughs) So his dad, his father, was like, okay, I'll try to fulfill that. Uh, But he ended up coming back from his hunt empty-handed. So the boy got so mad. He got, the son got so, so mad that he killed and gutted his father and brought the entrails of his father to his mother to be cooked trying to pass it off as like oh hey you know my dad did bring deer (laughs) but of course she found out she was like these aren't guts that belong to a deer and so she then told the boy's grandfather and the grandfather of course once again tied him to a tree And the rest of the story remains the same as the previous version.
2: I still think that's a really painful punishment. But in this version, I I get it. Like, there has to be some sort of punishment for making, almost making your family eat your dad.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you put it that way, yes. (laughs) I mean, that's (laughs) what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Like, when I mean, it's pretty, yeah. You're just like, you almost forced your entire family into cannibalism. Yeah.
2: For, for no so, real reason it's like somebody you know a team being like my family didn't buy me uh the new playstation 5 i'm gonna kill one of them and make the other one eat it not knowing what
1: yeah and it was a it maybe it's not even like the dad didn't have money for it he just there were no more playstation Fives, right just like there was no more deer
2: yeah that's insane
1: <laughs> yeah so there is a third version of the whistling man or el silbón in Venezuela there is a saying a twisted tree never straightens which means that a bad person never changes and in the end will always be the same
2: Yeah, I've heard that saying, have have you heard it before?
1: no, I've never heard it
2: it's a good one so in Spanish it's árbol que nace torcido jamás su troco enderezará so yeah, like once you're born crooked that's you're forever uh, messed up. Um, wow. Which is really sad because people can change and grow. It's called therapy. <laughs> but I guess we, <laughs> yeah, but we Latinos I mean, don't really believe in that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't. I was going to say, I was like, uh, especially men. No, they're not going to go to therapy. So I guess this applies to them. Yeah. This third version of the story. So let me start with the third. Uh, just like the first story. This version actually starts with a temperamental young boy who got everything he asked for. One day, he accompanied his father on a hunting trip to the plains, or Eliano. At one point on their walk, the boy trips over a twisted-up tree. The boy asks his father if he can straighten it out, and I think it's because he's trying to pass. Like, there was an area where he's trying to pass, and, and this tree's kind of blocking it. And so, the father says... No, a twisted tree never straightens. You know that. The boy replies, If you always knew it, why did you let me grow the way I am, like a twisted tree? Now, I will never be able to change the way I am, and it's your fault. Yikes. Then the boy lunges at his father and kills him. He then opens up his father, removes his organs, and he travels with this viscera And just like in the previous story, asks his mother to cook it for him. Of course, again, just like in the previous version, the mother looks at these entrails and realizes, wait a second, these are not from an animal, and she suspects they might be human. So,
2: of course, she informs her father-in-law. How would you know that they're human? I guess you see so many animal intros, you just know this is not I think you just know,
1: yeah, you just know, like, wait, these are not, this isn't right. And maybe she didn't know it was human, but maybe she knew it was, like, not the animal that he said. Okay. And so I would be suspicious at that point, especially if I'm, you know, if I know my fucking kid is, like, a twisted little boy. (laughs) He's a twisted tree. He's a twisted tree. So (laughs) my twisted son. Yeah. You know. He's giving me mysterious entrails. I'm not going <laughs> to trust him. She, of course, goes and, and informs the father-in-law that the boy the boy's grandfather um, and the grandfather, of course, once again, doles out his punishment just like in the other stories. So those are three, just three of many different variations of story. Uh, I actually even found another different one, too. I don't this one had to do with him being a wealthy but also greedy uh, merchant of some sort and I found it in like a Spanish language uh, publication so that was also really interesting anyways despite the differences each variation usually ends the same with the boy killing his father and then being cursed by his grandfather oh and this is where again I just bring up um had El Cidbon as a greedy murderer who wanted riches. And the whistling, because the other stories didn't really mention the whistling. Right. So that's why I wanted to mention this variation, is because in this variation, every time he killed a victim, he would just like whistle into the night.
2: I, so, that's extra cruel. Like you're killing yes. somebody and then you're like, all right, I'm, you know, I can't whistle, but happy whistle. You know, on my way home. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: I had it's an interesting... I
2: had... Oh, go ahead. I had seen in some of the other variations that um, the whistle was from the dog. Like, the grandfather calling the dog over and was the whistle.
1: Okay. I... Okay. I actually made that connection, to even not knowing that. Yeah. Because I figure in Los, in Los Llanos, you know, you're doing a lot of herding. You have animals and you're using dogs probably to herd. Yeah. And you use whistles to herd animals. Mm-hmm. So my, that was that's kind of what I guess. So, well, let's talk a little bit more about his his name, right? So the name El Silbon is, just means whistling or the whistler. And it's not just random whistling, but it's actually very specific notes. So the tune is to be said, uh, is said to be like musical notes, like, C-D-E-F-G A-B It is said his whistle in particular
2: catches the ears of <laughs> drunks and angry men Sorry, now I want to hear what this sounds like. If anybody is musically inclined and wants to share what this sounds like please share that with us Yes,
1: because this is amazing. Yeah. I want to be like some sort of, uh, what is it, like a shepherd of drunk people yeah. just... Or
2: what's it, um the Pied Piper. Yes,
1: the Pied Piper of of drunk and angry men just start whistling, and just you have a mob. Yeah. Just this giant mob of people, just especially on St. Patty's Day. Can you imagine?
2: <laughs> That's how you lead people away from the yeah. city or wherever you don't want them to be.
1: Exactly. It's so funny. So whistling alone would be upsetting enough, but. El Silbón actually likes to toy with his victims, and so he actually changes the distance of his whistling. It is said that the whistling sounds close when he is far away and out of sight, and sounds far away when he is right on his victim's back, which is similar to some variations of La Llorona in Central and South America. Yeah.
2: Yeah and some of the variations of la llorona when she when you hear her really loudly and like she's close it means she's far away but if you hear her like faintly and far away that means she's close which is such a nifty trick that they play on you such a nifty trick it's so creepy too like
1: that's the thing that fascinated me about this particular monster is again that fake out right that a lot of other monsters have uh like our previous episode, El, um, El Duen, they have backwards feet. It's a fake out. This is another fake out, too, where it's so creepy because you're like, oh, okay, he's far away now. But it turns out you look behind you and there he freaking is.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I think he, again, it sucks that he killed his dad. It depends on the variation. <laughs> yes. But he uses his... I guess, curse for good because he uses that whistle to attract men uh, and especially bad or drunk men. Um, So womanizers and stuff like that. So if the myth goes that if El Silvón runs into a drunk, he will suck their blood and alcohol from an opening in their stomach and remove the victim's bones through that same hole. (laughs) I just... I love that. And there were different sources. There was even a PBS video that talked about this. Um, One of the versions was that he sucks out the alcohol specifically through their belly button. Oh, God. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine?
2: No. (laughs) I don't even know how, like, I, I need a straw or something.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And the fact that he sucks their bones out from the same hole that he cuts. Yeah. Is wild. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. I don't. I wonder why he does that. Maybe because he carries. Well, okay. So, to if there, you're a womanizer, he tears you limb from limb, and then adds the bones to the sack on his back. So he carries his father and his other victims. So I, I wonder if that is another sound that he makes. I, I imagine the bones clacking or. So it's the whistling and the clacking bones, maybe?
1: You know, that's a really good point. I mean, with that many bones, he probably has a ton of bones in there, too. Yeah. uh,
2: Clacking around. Clackety-clack. Yeah. And that's the worst part, if you're sympathetic towards the victim. None of the victims really rest in peace because they become part of El Silbon, right? They're they're constantly with him. So their uh, soul doesn't rest. What do you think of that?
1: I mean, I think it's cool. Um, <laughs> I think it's really cool. I This is a monster. Again, I really like this monster just because I like the tricky trick, you know, the whistling. I do like that he really does not like drunks or angry men and kind of seeks out. He seeks them out purposely to punish them. And then kills him in this awful way, which I'm kind of like, okay. And then the trick with the blood, you know, it sounds like he's trying to get a little drunk himself, you know, a little
2: drunk. (laughs) I'm thinking of that episode of um, what we do in the shadows from the first season where they're like, we drank humans and the humans were on drugs. So now we are high. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: I remember. That's what I was thinking when I read that too. I was like, oh, this is his way of getting wasted.
2: (laughs) He's just a drunkard.
1: (laughs) He's just a drunk. He's not actually, like, against drunks. He just wants to use them. (laughs) So that totally makes sense. That tracks. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so it's just... (laughs) Uh, I did read, although, uh, in yet another variation, I did read that he occasionally does hurt innocent victims
2: as well. Maybe he's too drunk off the blood and doesn't, you know, realize it. Yeah, he's like, oh, crap. Yeah. Afterwards, <laughs> he's like, oh, this this was a good person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do, I, I don't know what to do with the bones.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. I'm just going to hide them. <laughs>
2: yeah. And there's also the Colombian version. Um, we found one on villains fandom. And it's not too different from the Venezuelan ones that we've been talking about. Um, so in the Colombian version, again, the same backstory, except... The drunkards are the main victims of El Silbon, and it, this is like a way of deterring people from craving alcohol. Um, so oh. yeah, so you don't need AA when you have El Silbon.
1: Yeah, I, I would fi- I'd be like, Yeah, I'm gonna not drink anymore. Thanks a lot, Silbon.
2: <laughs> and so El Silbon stalks the Llano region in Colombia, and on rainy nights during May through June, um he's often encountered by drunkards going home from the bars and he's more sympathetic than his other counterparts as he is more of a harbinger of death than the actual cause of it and some Colombian versions of it. Mm. So he attacks them uh, but he doesn't always kill them and he d- definitely doesn't attack anybody that's not out drunking, drinking, Drunken. Maybe I'm Drunk- a little drunken. Drunken.
1: Yeah, not anyone who's actively hammered.
2: Yeah, not anyone that's being an active asshole.
1: Oh, great. That's good. That's good that he's really targeted. So, according to a story that we found on Amino, El Silbon also breaks into people's houses in the middle of the night, which is just bananas.
2: Yeah. It's just another layer. How does he fit in that? Like, now that I realize how giant he is, how does he fit into people's houses? I don't even
1: yeah i can't even he must be crouched down it's like us in a cave you know like when we have to crouch down and
2: okay
1: move his thighs must be like so fit to be
2: crouched down that long you know in a house i'm just picturing like um alice in wonderland where she yes gets all big and like her head sticking out from the ceiling and her um arms are out the windows and stuff
1: Oh, like in those cartoons, I think he just removes the roof.
2: Yeah, and then just steps and, in.
1: <laughs> and just steps in, yeah. Or he I grabs think that's whatever what he, he needs. Because <laughs> it's, it's even weirder because once he's inside, he's just a weirdo. Because <laughs> once he's inside the house, he will lay his bag of bones on the floor and just count them. If no one hears the bones or notices his presence, a member of the household will die. Interestingly enough, though... If the family
2: is awakened by the noise, the household will actually experience good luck. This makes no sense whatsoever. I I would imagine it'd be the opposite. If you don't hear him, you have good luck. If you hear him, you have bad luck. Like, that's what I would imagine.
1: Yeah, but it's, again, it's that trope where you're turning it, I guess, on its head. He's like a really twisted
2: Santa Claus. (laughs) He brings bones into your house. He's not going to give them to you. He's just going to count them. It's like he's yep. counting his money.
1: Yeah, he's counting all his victims. He's like, yeah, you know, I killed Pablo last yeah. weekend.
2: And then I killed, you know. This one this <laughs> one, was Vanessa. That one was a mistake. I'm sorry, Vanessa.
1: Yeah, sorry, Vanessa. I'm going to just leave your bones here in this house. Yeah, You know, you, They'll take care of it. You live here now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm fascinated by that part of the story. And I, I wonder how common that is variation is like is that common or or people do people hear that a lot or not i wonder um and there are ways to scare him if you don't want him breaking into your house to count his bones uh you can scare him away there's three major ways to to do that the the first one is so show him some uh chili peppers (laughs) so (laughs) So, cool so show him some chiles he's out the door He's like, no, thank you. I have enough on my back. Yeah. Um, if you pull out a dog, especially if oh. the dogs are barking, it makes total sense. And uh, if you have a whip. Okay. Yeah. So if you trigger any of his traumas, <laughs> then he's yeah. out the door.
1: <laughs> just like me, trigger any of my traumas. I'm just out the door already. <laughs> Definitely.
2: So, if you're traveling the Llanos of Venezuela, Colombia, Argentina, just make sure to pack some chiles, a whip, and find a dog.
1: Yeah. Find a dog. Find a really good dog yeah. that barks a lot.
2: Yeah. Uh, maybe feed some of the chile to the dog so he barks even more or something. I don't know.
1: No. he bar- Every time he barks, he throws chilies <laughs> out. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just I- like in The Simpsons. With the barking, the barking dogs that shoot bees yeah. out of their mouths. What? <laughs> yeah, Mister Burns <Burn-tasm. laughs> has them. Like it is property. It's yeah. just it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But anyways, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> no,
2: I'm just like now. I'm picturing this. Like, this like tiny Chihuahua barking and giant j- jalapenos flying out of its mouth.
1: <laughs> and then I'll strap the whip. Yeah. To the dog's tail.
2: Yeah.
1: See, Perfect. and so every time you perfect like it's yeah. a per- the dog is a perfect killing silbon machine
2: yeah well i don't know if it this kills him he it just scares him away
1: which is good oh enough. yeah i mean a deterrent yeah. is a perfect silbon deterrent yeah. we can't tell the drunkards this though yeah. this information has they to they won't remember
2: they won't remember be don't like, tell, tell bad men to bring chocolates i don't remember <laughs> so <laughs> folks
1: keep this information to yourselves <laughs> don't let angry men know about it okay
2: exactly and we'll talk a little bit more about what we think the legend means um but before that it might be helpful to talk uh, about venezuela and colombia the the relationship to the legend
1: yes in talking about this legend i really wanted to mention this quote that i heard in the pbs video that came from director juan fernandez uh Gebauer I think his name his last name is Mm -hmm. so he said each era vomits the monsters it needs like we said this legend is very popular in Venezuela and Colombia so one of our sources stated that the legend of El Silbon was born in the middle of the 19th century in the plains of Guanarito, a county of la Portuguesa state in Venezuela there, the legend migrated to the plains of Cojedes and Barrinas, and today it is even found in certain areas of the Colombian
2: plain. Yeah. And again, we're not taking sides on the debate of where the legend started. This is just one of the sources. This is where they say the legend comes from. I don't want yeah, to start. Yeah, so don't come any from us. Sort of for dramas. us. Yeah. Um, so I'll talk briefly about Venezuela. El Silvon supposedly comes from a small town called Juanarito. Um, while well, others say he was born in another town called El Vijao both of which are located in Portuguesa which is in the Llanero region of Venezuela uh, and that region is made up of five states uh, they are Varinas, Portuguesa cojedes Apure, and Guarico and it's a as you imagine Llanos they're flat but there's also sand, rivers and hills it mm. sounds like really beautiful and I looked up I went to like the tourist websites and stuff to learn more about the region and it looks really beautiful one of the sources that we found stated that there are cultural political and historical differences between the llano and other regions in Venezuela which makes sense Um, the natural geography influences what kind of jobs and industries grow in that region pun intended (laughs) Uh, which then of course shapes the myths Uh, and everyday life. In the dry season, the plains of the Loyanos are completely dry and dusty, but when the rains return to the Andes, the (laughs) um, meandering rivers spill over to flood and regenerate the land. So there's like a cowboy vibe going on, which makes sense with the hat, like the brimmed hat and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean,
1: so a gaucho is an Argentinian cowboy, or so my mistake when I was mentioning the cowboy earlier but it is it is a type of cowboy in specific I think to Argentina but it, it has the same vibe as it sounds like as Los Llaneros from Colombia and Venezuela.
2: I think so yeah.
1: Yeah so the Colombian region has a similar geography to the Llanera region in Venezuela so both are part of Los Llanos. The llano region is really beautiful but isn't super popular with tourists. According to the website Uncover Colombia, the, and I quote, Llanos is a vast tropical plain made up of savannas, woodlands, and grasslands. It lies to the east of Col- the Colombian Andes and the north of-, and north of the Amazon and is shared between Colombia and Venezuela. And so for half of the year, between May and October, huge swaths of it are flooded, so much so that when the first Europeans arrived in the region from the east, they supposedly believed that they had reached the Pacific Ocean. Such was the size of the body of water in front of them. So,
2: damn. I'm, I'm just laughing because as we've learned from other episodes, it doesn't take a lot to fool them, though.
1: No, it doesn't. They're really <laughs> easily fooled by yeah. a lot of stuff. But
2: it's, it's still, it sounds impressive. It's just that should not be our uh, barometer. Yeah,
1: exactly. But it is. it is... You know, it sounds like there is, um, it sounds like California, quite honestly, like these mm. giant torrential storms. I just listened to another podcast about Sacramento, actually. They had a really interesting episode on in Sacramento and the flooding that used to happen here before they built the levees. Okay. And it was the same thing that the indigenous people in the area used to say is like this place becomes another like giant river, like a giant lake. Essentially, so of both regions, El Cidbon is more active is mostly active during the rainy season, so
2: February to May. Okay. Interesting, and I I wonder if that's part of the reason that he's more visible during that time or more active during that time is because that's also hunting season, or when more there's more animals out maybe. Yeah, I
1: would say. I would say the dry seasons are probably... I mean, we're not hunters.
2: Not at all. You know, we're not cowboys. We're not hunters. So I mean, don't I don't
1: take our word for it.
2: I'm from Texas, but no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I assume that, yes, the rainy season probably brings out a lot more vegetation, a lot more animals, a lot more of that kind of stuff. So you're going to see a lot more activity in Los Llanos as opposed to in the dry seasons when things are more... Uh, I know a lot of the plants in California during droughts they seemingly look like they're dead. Yeah. And then as soon as water hits them, they
2: just like Erfahrung, explode. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm picturing. Um, yeah. Which is fascinating. Um, so let's transition and let's talk a little bit about what we think the legend means. Yeah.
1: So I found it. A... I'm going to go on a really long <laughs> tangent explanation here. And so just cautious, you know, just ca... cautioning uh, <laughs> of you listeners. So, <laughs> According to director Juan Fernandos uh, Gebauer, Gebauer, after speaking to locals, he thinks the legend originated around a man named Joaquin Flores. So I really want to talk about this dude before I dive into the meaning of this legend. So he apparently, Joaquin Flores, committed a crime similar to what the legend states. And this crime occurred maybe around 1850. From there, the story took hold and spread as a moral tale to warn other people not to commit
2: patricide. I, see, yes, but also, is that a lesson we need to learn? Like, how often, if it was just one case, then do we need a whole myth out of it? But Yeah. I don't know. I mean, for me, the story is obviously about masculinity and the expectations of men in the region. Uh, But the more I think about it, it's very similar to La Llorona, too. And these ideas of, like, proper masculinity, proper femininity, like, how they're supposed to act. And the big transgression is killing someone in your family. So in case of La Llorona, it's killing her children. In this case, it's killing your father. Um,
1: Yeah, and that's the thing that stood out to me about this legend is that how violent and visceral it is and like other monsters it really is about a child committing what society thinks is a, a great sin just like you were saying about la llorona mm. the murder of the parrot so you have and you have many major religions that state patricide as one of the ultimate no-nos you know next to killing your child or anything one of them is actually I think there's not even anything, from what I know from Christian religion, there is nothing on actually killing a child, but there is a 10th command, there is a commandment on not killing, or at least honoring your parents, which I
2: assume is not killing them either. (laughs) It means don't kill them. Isn't it? Abraham was supposed to kill his son. God told him, kill your son. And then he went, "Ah, I take it back. Don't kill your son. So infanticide, there's some gray area, I think, in the Bible. Well, you're right. I think it's the fifth commandment: is honor thy father and thy mother.
1: Yes. So I think, and we can only speak for those religions that we, you know, grew up with.
2: Yeah. So I'm sure,
1: but I I know there's probably other religions who explicitly state, which means, well, okay, I'll get into it in a second. So (laughs) I wanted to bring into this conversation the. Uh, two of Jeremy Cohen's monster uh, theses or thesis I don't know how you say that. How do you say thesis in like theses? individuals, but whatever. A thesis. <laughs> thesis thesis. So, so he has, basically he wrote this paper a while ago, I think in like the either 90s or 80s and he kind of lists out seven theses of like monsters and what makes something monstrous, what um, components make up A monster so I pulled two of those that remind that really kind of spoke to me about that connected to this legend so the first thesis that I pulled out was the first thesis in his paper the monster's body is a cultural body to quote it says the monster is born only at this metaphoric crossroads as an embodiment of a certain cultural moment of a time, a feeling, and a place. The monster's body quite literally incorporates fear, desire, anxiety, and fantasy, giving them life and an uncanny independence. In other words, from what I took from it, it was a monster is always tied to a cultural moment. In this case, it's the murder or this some, some sort of crime that Joaquin Flores committed. And around the time of El Cid Bon's birth. Not only was this, you know, crime maybe committed, but also there was a lot of upheaval. The Llaneros, or the cattle ranchers who worked in Los Llanos, joined Simón Bolívar's revolution for independence. So although the Llaneros proved invaluable to the war due to their like excellent horse riding skills, their way of life completely changed this must have been a time of high anxiety and fear so i am sure when joaquin flores if the story is based on him committed his horrific crime it became immortalized amidst this you know turmoil Mm. and if flores was a llanero, because we can assume maybe he was then he would be inexplicably tied to the area forever and it's interesting because we are in a time of upheaval right now and so one of the thoughts I had is I wonder what kind of monsters will be birthing around this time you know
2: <laughs> yeah well I think that's why so many like political horror films are coming out or whatever people are calling them but get out and things like that are dealing with a very specific type of monster which is white Us. liberals
1: yeah exactly yeah you know? <laughs> liberals conservatives whatever you know i think i think that's actually a really good point
2: i love that i love that um that theory um in class today we were just talking about how you can't understand horror films without the historical social context so like we were talking about texas chainsaw massacre being a reflection of the vietnam war and Mm. the economic struggles uh, um in the u.s by certain communities um so that totally makes sense
1: Right, and, and the fact that I think if we think that El, El Silbon was a llanero, which I am going to assume yeah, more than likely Flores was, it ties it to a place, it ties it to a time, it ties it to all this stuff, and it ties him to this community.
2: Well, and it's also, you know, we know times of war are times where masculinity really gets solidified you have to be a man, stand up for your country, stand up for your people and follow orders. Yes. Right. Um, And in all these, the versions of these stories, we see a a weak son um, that he doesn't follow orders or he wants to be pampered, except for that first version. Uh. Right. And that first version it's, he's defending someone, but um, in a time of war, you have to follow the patriarch or you have to follow the leader, regardless of what they do. Right. So, there's this idea that you have to blindly follow
1: that's a really good point you have to kind of blindly follow society and the norms we've written for you mm-hmm. essentially right and 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 their patriarchal norms so you have to follow them that actually kind of brings me into my next point which is the second thesis that i pulled which turns out to be the sec- i think it's the second thesis too anyways i think i went in order mm-hmm. um And so this one is called The Monster Stands at the Threshold of Becoming. So to quote, it says, monsters are our children. They can be pushed to the farthest margins of geography and discourse, hidden away at the edges of the world and in the forbidden recesses of our mind, but they always return. They ask us to reevaluate our cultural assumptions about race, Gender, sexuality, our perception of difference, our tolerance towards its expression. They ask us why we have created them. So basically, just like all monster stories, they're all about what we as humans are capable of and what we hide inside of us, that darkness. So I'm sure many of us have been at that edge where we (laughs) ask ourselves, could I kill blank?
2: I feel like Could you I? have a list, Brenda. <laughs> this isn't a theoretical or a rhetorical question for you. This is I have a list. I have I have a low-key list. Yeah.
1: Um <laughs> If the chance arises, it arises. Mm-hmm. But you know, you do ask yourself and you asked earlier, like why make that rule? Why do religions make that rule? Mm-hmm. You know, if someone hadn't already committed it. Yeah. If someone wasn't like, oh, yeah, I killed my dad. It's like, oh, shit. Okay, well, maybe we shouldn't kill our fathers. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely...
2: um, It's interesting to think of, like, the hierarchy of murder. There's certain people you shouldn't kill, but others that are more allowed or forgiven or erased.
1: Well, think about it. It's also tied to Masculinity. Because you're fighting, if you're fighting for your country and you're fighting the enemy, Mm -hmm. supposedly, even if they look like you, probably, and they just happen to be on the other side of something else, you are excused of murder. Yeah. Murder is an excusable thing. You can kill as many people as you want, it's fine. It's actually almost like a
2: manly trait. Yeah. It's a necessity at that point.
1: Exactly. So. I think this monster kind of, when you're thinking about, okay, these taboos, you know, could I murder my mother, my father, or my children? Could I commit such a heinous act? If these thoughts, again, didn't exist, even for a split second, why do we have these stories? Why do we have these cautionary tales if it's not to warn us not to do it, you know? So, which means that people have done it a yeah. lot. <laughs> And I don't I don't know. It's just interesting how some acts and some crimes are monstrous and seen as monstrous but at the same time they're not. And if you think about the different variations of the story, the be- the first variation of the story where he kills justifiably so, yeah. he's still punished though. Yeah.
2: Right? Because the father assumed that she was promiscuous, so maybe maybe she was right yeah yeah
1: and maybe because of that it's like oh well you shouldn't have killed your father because it was totally he was told he was totally justified in his murder right and his you know murderous act so i mean it's just it's just interesting Mm -hmm. and i really encourage people to read the these theses or whatever these size um or to read his his paper because it is fascinating and it's a cool lens and a cool way to examine monsters. Yeah. So anyways, honestly I went on a bit of a tangent like I said <laughs> I warned I warned people <laughs> but I wanted to hear your thoughts on more about the masculinity um, aspect because I didn't actually think that much about it I took away something completely different from the El Silbon as you probably noticed but you bring up really good points, Orkidea, about how it's tied to
2: men. I just think it's interesting that it's the son killing the father, being punished by the grandfather, right? This is a story oh. about men, and and women are tangential. Even the victims, right, at Sidvon, focuses exclusively on men. So it's just... And, and I keep comparing it to La Llorona because La Llorona is traditionally about women, right? Teaching women yes. about their gender norms and gender roles. This one seems to be what are men supposed to be like and fitting those roles. And and I think in the most common variations, not the one where he is protecting or avenging his, his girlfriend. And the other ones, he's a very needy very um emotional man very a young boy or teen whatever you want to call him right very impulsive so he has characteristics that are not very masculine and the fact that he's a you know um what's it called he's a twisted branch or twisted tree from birth so he doesn't fit the the normative idea of what a man needs to be doing so the story is interesting because it picks up on everyday elements of Life, unfortunately, like domestic abuse, like complicated relationships with uh, family members, specifically paternal figures. Yeah. So it's a reflection of that. And at the same time, it's about how are we raising our children? Should we be scared of our children? <laughs> what are we doing, yes. right? We can't have soft men, we, ha- we can't have boys that will fly off and kill you if you don't feel feed them to your meat right um yeah so i thought that was really fascinating
1: it's almost like the father it's almost like the father brought his own demise in that because he raised a son like the in the in that variation he he straight up asks his father like okay so i'm twisted because of you essentially Mm -hmm. like why did you raise me this way and now i shall kill you
2: yeah and i think it's also like it's also a reflection of the nature nurture debate was he born as a crooked tree or was he created as a crooked tree if he was born as a crooked um, tree then we as parents don't have a role in that we just have to be wary of this this child um as opposed to if there's some control then this was our fault um so yeah, yeah it it's just I don't know if there's a lot of stories about uh, fatherhood or myths about fatherhood and fears of being a good father and teaching your son to be a good man, uh, which yeah, this one and seems it's interesting. to
0: be.
1: Yeah, and you were saying, I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh my God, it is all male. Mm-hmm. It's all male. It's like grandfather, father, son. Like, yeah. And the mother's just kind of there, but she doesn't really, like, we don't know her perspective. We don't understand, like, what she went through. We don't understand what... You know, it's like to be a woman with a murderous son who murdered your own husband. Like, what what is that like? Well, that's not the story. The story is about the specific three generations of men.
0: Yeah,
1: It's really, that is really fascinating. Uh, And I wondered, so I read another version because I had a question about, well, I had a question about the whistling, but I think we solved that. I do think it's because they're agricultural and, you know, they whistle a lot with, um, With dogs, especially. Dogs and whistling kind of go hand in hand. But I think also, why does he go after drunkards? Why does he go after these men? And one of the things that I read was that in one of the variations, my father was a drunk.
2: That makes sense.
1: And so he's really going after uh, the man that he hates.
2: Yeah. So he's going after father figures or people he sees as his father
1: yeah, so, just like a, an actual serial killer. Sometimes yeah. they latch on to a very particular type of victim profile.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And El Cid Bon has a very particular victim profile that he feels
2: like he should be punishing. Yeah, and just like serial killers, those victims might go unnoticed because people might feel they deserve it, right? A lot yeah. of serial killers want um, attacked people of color, especially women of color, uh, women that uh, did sex work. Um, yep. So...
1: Yeah, the, the kind of the outer reaches of society or yeah. what society doesn't like, essentially. But the other thing too to think about in this legend, and I know we're going long, but it's like there's so much, there's so many layers, is that he carries his father's bones on his back. Yeah. Like it's a, it's, he's carrying the weight
2: of the previous generation. Yeah. And the trauma, because that's another, I, I know... <laughs> now we're just going on tenders but that's the other thing right it's not his mom's father that punishes him it's his father's father yes so that's also super important right it's very patriarchal you follow the line of the man in the house all the way down
1: yes all the way down it's just it's just really fascinating right really fascinating so um, I did want to go into popular culture
2: yeah, before there's... we wrap
1: it up. So tell us, tell me,
2: because this is kind of cool. It is. I know there's uh, there's also a movie inspired by El Silbón, at least one major, big one. Um, oh. But obviously the legend is really popular. And there's a music festival called Festival Internacional de Musica Llanera El Silbón. Um, so International Festival of Music Llanera el sibón and there's a bunch of youtube videos where you can watch the festival it sounds exciting i wonder if people dress up like him on stilts
1: i don't i was looking at videos and i don't remember if i saw people dressed up as him there was a lot of dancing though lots of dancing nice and drinking and drinking <laughs> which again oh my oh my god Orquidia. you just i just yeah it's 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 a Silbon. So it's a summoning oh my god, festival. It's, it's a yes. It's a summoning. It's a summoning festival. Oh my god!
2: <laughs> do they know that? Did they do this on purpose? I'm sure they know. Yeah, <laughs> they know yeah, what they're. They're all. They're all wearing like chili pepper necklaces.
1: Oh, see, and they probably ha- they probably made like a. They, this is probably not in the videos, but they probably made a fence made out of dogs with tail whips for tails. Yeah, you know
2: exactly exactly yeah that's what i would do yeah no they're they're inviting him to the party but they're they say come party with us don't kill us though don't kill us don't kill us we got these dogs with whip tails don't suck alcohol from our our, our belly button we have some alcohol for you right here (laughs) (laughs)
1: like some sort of like frosty or some sort of like a slushy you're like just a slush like a little slushy yeah of a human oh my god or like
0: a (laughs) Capri Sun! You're oh a Capri
1: my Sun! I can't ever get this right. It's <laughs> <laughs> just Oh my god. Okay. So there is another statue. Um, or let me just go into let me redo that. So there is a statue of El Sirbon in El Parque a Las Malocas, Malocas in Colombia. So that is really interesting. It's very big um you can see pictures of it online we will post some on our instagram or whatever and then also last but not least little shout out to a spooky tales and their episode on el silbon they're very funny and so um they're super supportive of us also so i appreciate them a lot um and so definitely listen to a spooky tales um and that episode on el silbon because it is fascinating yeah and then now we're just at the conclusion. Finally, we can shut up. Um, and to conclude, I just want to say this so far has been one of my favorite legends just because of how violent it is.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I think when I was researching, I found it interesting. And as usually it usually happens when we record, I find it even more interesting. There's something about just us talking about it. Uh, even though we have a script that makes it just there's so much there that we could keep digging um, with it. Yes. Keep thinking
1: about it, keep digging up, you know, all those meanings, all those layers of.
2: of bones? Different.
1: Yeah, of bones.
2: Of bones, did
1: you say? Yes, of bones. <laughs>
2: We're doing some archaeological work here. We're like, whose bones are these anyway, Silvón? Tell us.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he's like, hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> some dude, I guess.
1: Or I should do it like his voice. You think he has like a really scary voice? Like, like um... Okay, story. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... <laughs>
2: I imagine he has like a soft voice, though. Or he talks in whistles.
1: Oh, maybe... He probably he probably doesn't even speak anymore, right? Yeah. I I guess yeah. Anyways, I like I like the idea of him just being like, um it's better. You know, like
2: just <laughs> just say Just like just, a gruff gruff voice. Yeah, like yeah.
1: a gruff noise. That's kinda of what I picture. I don't know why. <laughs> but anyways. Um I'm gonna shut up now and just say thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> If you love what we do, please consider joining our Patreon to listen to exclusive episodes and any future news or merch that we might have. You can also support us by leaving a review. Uh, If you have any monsters, creatures, or legends you also want want us to cover, let us know. You can connect with us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, or on our website at monsterspodcast.com.
2: Thanks to all the Patreon supporters. We have a new one. Tochli Sochtli. I hope I got your name right. Thank you so much for supporting us and everyone keep listening. Uh, it's always fun to yes. be listened to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's always fun to have these conversations or to continue conversations on like our social media platforms or anything. Let us know what you think about El Silbon and like this creepy, creepy legend. I almost want to commission someone to draw him sucking out someone's bones out of their belly button like a Capri Sun if
2: someone is good with um art let us know your version of El Silvón particularly drinking somebody like a Capri Sun that's what we want (laughs) we want you to do that for us please if you enjoyed this episode (laughs) bring some joy into our our sad lives by showing a human being consumed like a Capri Sun by a nine foot tall um creature
1: yeah exactly I would love to see it yeah. I would love to see it thank you so anyways <laughs> that's it for now stay safe everyone don't get uh, cracked open by a silbon
2: I wish we could do the ksh- of like a beer <laughs> or something
1: <laughs> yeah I don't have any dr- I don't have a drink so that would be
0: Imagine.
1: but I that, have y'all. the perfect meme I have the perfect meme-, meme I'm gonna put on our Instagram you just you. Oh, I'm
2: so excited okay Yes. Thank you all for listening. We'll stop there.
1: <laughs> yes. Bye.
2: Bye.